Hey, Yellowstone listeners, are you loving the look of the Dutton Ranch and you want some of that in your own home? Let me introduce you to our set decorator right here at Pod Clubhouse, Beth Kushnick. Hi, listeners. I'm a set decorator for 37 years on film and TV shows, and I'm ready to give you all kinds of behind-the-scenes info on my podcast with Caroline, Decorating the Set from Hollywood to Your Home. It's available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts over on Pod Clubhouse. Pod Clubhouse. Maybe some pancakes. I don't eat gluten. What's gluten? So wait, you'll eat the wheatgrass, but you won't eat the seed. Our bodies aren't designed to digest it. Who told you that? Doctors. My doctor never told me that. Well, you should get a new doctor. You should get tested for chlamydia, you fucking hippie. Uh, okay, Beth. That's it. All right, she's my guest. You'll treat her with respect or you'll leave. I got a meeting anyway. Love you, Daddy. Mm-hmm. I hope you find a therapist who can help you. I hope you die of ass cancer. This is Steph. This is Sheila. And welcome to our Yellowstone podcast with Pod Clubhouse. Today we have a special guest. Paul is joining us. Hey, everybody. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for having me. And today we're talking about episode six, which is titled, I Want to Be Him. So we talked last week that this was like the halfway point of the season. And just like the feeling that this is episode six, like if we go back to season two, like the next episode is where Beth got that huge beat down. Right. So just to put us in like, you know, terms of where we are at the season. So like things are going to start heating up. And I have to say, like this episode happened like just the way it was like, first of all, I said, oh, shit, about seven times throughout (laughs) this whole episode. And for me, like this is one of like, I think in my all time favorite, like Yellowstone, like action packed episodes where it's like, I feel like so much happened to set us up for what's coming as much as resolving some of these storylines. I don't know if you guys felt the same way about this episode. I thought that it fit right into the typical Yellowstone pattern, although this this season started with a bang, but then, you know, sort of the first season with the killing of Lee and all that business. But yeah, this this is where you start to see the amping up of Jamie's uh, loyalties getting severely yes. tested, and who knows what's happening with Casey exactly, but then yeah, you're seeing the, the, the ratchet turning on, on the pressure valve again. Yeah, We had such fun doing that supersized episode a couple ones ago, and we said yeah, let's bring the Pod Clubhouse folks back. For me, it was one of the most enjoyable episodes to do. One, because it was in person. But two, I like yeah. the different perspectives. Because like Steph and I have been doing this a long time now. So it was really nice to hear what you guys were thinking about the different characters and where they were going. So I think this was a really great decision to expand yeah. the podcast. Well, thanks for having me back. Of course. So last week, Steph, when you and I watched the screener episode before it aired, 
Yeah. The old timer at the Four Sixes Ranch. Remember there was like this one actor and the screener watermark mm-hmm. covered. And no matter which way I tried to look at it, I couldn't figure it out. And then when I finally was able to watch the episode Sunday night, it was Barry Corbin. Yes. It's like I knew I knew him from somewhere, but since I couldn't see his name and I looked on the IMDb and of course it wasn't credited yeah. yet. And I just could not figure it out. I was like, I know him from somewhere. So I, I'm going to age myself and Paul, I have a feeling that you're going to be with me on this one. Um, I know Barry Corbin from uh, War Games. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> His voice was really familiar to me when I was watching the episode, but War Games is almost 40 years old. Yeah. <laughs> that hurt to say. Uh, you know, I've seen him over the years, but like I hadn't really kept up with him. So he looked a lot different than what I remembered him to be, but his voice was really familiar to me. So when I heard the name Barry Corbin, I'm like, where do I know that from? IMDb. So that's two War Games alum making their way onto Yellowstone. Who's the other one? Dabney freaking Coleman. Yes! Oh my God. Was, oh, wow. That, that was a deep cut, Paul. No kidding. No Dabney kidding. Coleman. That's right. He plays John's dad. That's right. But I recognize him off the bat because he has a trademark mustache, right? He's had that his whole career. Oh boy. You might have been the only one then. <laughs> what was the other cowboy show that he was on that everyone was commenting? Oh, Lonesome Dove. Lonesome Dove. That's what yeah. everyone was like. Oh, it's Roscoe Brown. I was like, what? That's a, that's a, yeah. <laughs> that's a little bit before my time. <laughs> Again, not really. I mean, people, I was born. People but. of a certain age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, that's always fun to see familiar faces. And I love when they have cameos and people are like, oh, I love that actor. Like Piper Parabo being in this few episodes. Yeah, so we'll talk about her coming back. Yes. But yeah, we start off back at the four sixes this episode. The Facebook fan group is not loving that. Have you guys noticed? I haven't noticed that, but I have noticed my own fatigue with with it. So I challenged myself to wonder why. (laughs) Like like normally when there's there's a, (laughs) a backdoor into what's obviously another series coming, they just show the character wander off off into the sunset and then that's usually enough for audiences to pick up mm-hmm. i get it he's starting a new show which happened right we got that ta- you know Travis dropped jimmy off and so i just wondered they're not giving us anything to go on except for life is hard he doesn't get to eat his, his, his whole body is sore we got all that if they're spending all of this time on jimmy are they building to something are they going to make it in that kind of Yellowstone-y way where they leave us, not just with a sore groin, but with um, <laughs> but with some sort of little cliffhanger that's going to be like, I can't wait for the four sixes. Ah, I would hope so. That would make it better. Yeah. So my criticism up to this point is that it feels just really sleepy, right? It, there's, there's not a lot that's happening. And the only thing that I did get from tonight's episode was that Jimmy was told to learn how to rope and he's mm-hmm. starting to show signs of getting better at it, right? So he's he's struggled to this point. Or and, caring. And he's showing signs of actually going to start trying. That's fair. That's a better yeah. that's a better observation. Because you and I had said earlier in the season that it seemed like he was going back, like regressing a bit into like the Jimmy of season one where he was just kind of inept at everything. Yeah. But I think you're right. I think it's that he cares more now. Well, he said last episode, I don't know what I want. So it's like, I think that's where Taylor Sheridan's trying to go is just giving us a little bit of Jimmy starting to want this lifestyle. And maybe that 
leads into the four sixes. But I like what you said, Paul. I hope that that is true. If there is some sort of cliffhanger with Jimmy and the four sixes, that would be a better validation for all this time we're spending. <laughs> the Mia four sixes. took off from the bunkhouse. Yeah. Is there any chance she shows Ooh. up in Texas? That well, the rodeo fun. circuit does go to Texas. So I've heard that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I hear it's yeah, quite big maybe. there. Yeah. Actually, um, just a side note, I did see this morning, actually on Twitter, that Luke Grimes and Cole Hauser were at the rodeo last night in Texas, somewhere. I don't know exactly where it was, but the, there was a rodeo competition on last night and they were there. That would be surreal to see those guys hanging out. Yeah. yeah. And the, there was, yeah, there's pictures of them like at the rodeo and, you know, the TV showing like, this is Cole Hauser. Glowstone. And of course, Twitter's debate. It's not him. It is him. It's not him. Because he's not in his full Rip regalia. Yeah, he doesn't so it's look hard. like Rip at all. He doesn't in real always life. look like. Yeah. So he's a little bit of a chameleon these days. But yeah, they did show that they were there last night. So when we were cool. recording this, it was Friday night that they would have been there. So so yeah, just to bring back to the, the four sixes, the, the fact that they're showing that Jimmy's hurting again from riding and things like mm-hmm. that, it just makes me worry about his physical health. And that might be <laughs> the cliffhanger that I was like, mm. when you guys were talking about, it, I was just like, oh God, I hope that that's not it again because he can't take a third catastrophic injury in almost as many months the way he got off you know he he was very stoic with the other cowboy Mm -hmm. because he was doing a very good job of making it look like everything hurt you know like that i've been riding a horse all day sort of thighs and butt and balls hurt (laughs) (laughs) I, i can't attest to that part but that last part anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, take my word for it. But then also just sort of that my back hurts kind of yeah. uh, stiff posture that he had expressed all of those different pains. Yes. I did note that he was still not wearing a cowboy hat, but taking initiative with trying to learn how to rope. So it's like maybe he's going to decide to go down that path. It's like a... Back to being a cowboy. Yeah, he's got a... It's like a, a show of rank or something to earn, yeah. earn the hat. Probably. <laughs> I like that. But that was my only justification was that they are yeah. they they are going to build something that's going to make us want to watch it more than one of our second tier favorite characters moved over mm-hmm. <laughs> to this show. So I like how we check in on Casey and Monica and they just are so cute in their new little house, all happy and peaceful. This is one of those weirdo TV time moments where they're only looking at the house and you can mark the time by the shit happening in like the bunkhouse and stuff like that, you know, like the fighting (laughs) and the stabbing and all that. That's that's only like overnight, you know, and they're like already sleeping in the house. They were just looking at I was thinking, I was like, that was fast. Yeah. Monica's, uh, when she's motivated, she's motivated. I guess so, yeah. Move in ready. Yeah, right. It seems so, especially like that night. Steph, you and I talk so often how like nothing is accidental in the show. And we talked about way back, was it like season one? I don't remember. Season two. Avery, she just like up and disappeared out of nowhere. And we're like, we don't see her again. And because like, yeah, probably because, you know, like there's nothing accidental in the show. And lo and behold, did you recognize her right away? Yeah. Okay. Of course. Yeah. Same. I'm like, oh, hey. That's for you calling it. Oh. <laughs> I was like, what? I'm like, sorry. I, didn't, I mean, sometimes music I didn't know we had sound starts. effects. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I like sound effects. That was hilarious. Oh. <laughs> yeah, like, I like how like, Casey. Sometimes the recall is good, but sometimes it's not. <laughs> <laughs> he 
he's like, oh, hey, what are you doing here? Kind of thing. And the, well, and the, the wife is like, wait, who's that? Well, the hilarious part is she's not my type. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay. Excuse me. Sure. Well, what else is he going to say? You know, Casey was different this episode. And this is sort of like what I've been pointing out this whole season. I didn't know that man had so many teeth when he smiled because like he was really happy to see her. And, you know, he was he's he's been a lot lighter this season, despite what's happened. I say outside of episode one, but just the conversation with him and John is getting easier. This episode in particular with Monica and the fact that he's been so understanding of her, he's he's coming at things from a different perspective. So he's a very different character, I feel, this season. A couple episodes ago, I said, I said, I feel like this was the writing that he's deserved all along, just showing that he's deeper than what we've seen so far. It just makes me wonder, like his reaction to Avery, like he was so genuinely happy to see her. I don't know, is she going to be a problem going forward? Is she going to come back to the ranch? You know, I was like, why bring her back now? Well, no more girls in the bunkhouse. That's uh, that seems to be yeah, a that's for sure. policy. But like, I just feel like Monica doesn't need any further complications with her relationship with Casey. And I just feel like this is like, going to be a big wrinkle. Well, the whole move out to the reservation in that period where Casey has sort of decided to make a decision that he feels is in the best interest of his, his family. He hasn't done it with a real like look on his face that says like i totally buy this i really agree with this with my heart and soul it's more like i guess i think this is the best thing to do and so you're right that brooding look on his face has been there for a while so yeah this this smile (laughs) that, that crept onto his face upon seeing this other woman who's completely not his type yeah I, as soon as soon as they got in the truck, before Monica said, "So who's that?" I said, "So who's that?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> who's that? Sure, <laughs> smiling nice, nicely at her. Again, like fans are gonna oh, be like, "Oh, that's know, just so Avery." <laughs> It's just Avery. Even back at season, when she was at the bunkhouse, there was some sort of, they already knew each other previously or something. So, Well, they did because she used to strip at the bar. Yeah. So, I mean, they have (laughs) known each other a while. Who knows what their relationship used to be. Are you saying that with air quotes or known each other for a while? Maybe. I hope not. I hope that she's not there to cause even more problems in their relationship because, like you said, Monica and Tate, they have enough on their plate and... I just don't know what it would serve the plot of Yellowstone to really mess with Monica and Casey. Well, and Monica's a tough cookie. Yes, on paper, she's a school teacher. In actuality, she is fine with luring men to their deaths if they're the right men. So um, is this someone that that you would want to bat your eyelashes at their man? I don't think so, if you knew. (laughs) But that's me. I don't don't know how that game is played. Me neither. I wouldn't think so. But it just doesn't seem to fit. The story at this point, but you never know with Yellowstone. And like you said, there's reasons why these characters come back around. It'd be funny, actually, if they turned out to be friends after some incident happened that drove them together, which would be a little less cliche than some weird struggle over Casey. That would be very, very soap opera. Something else would make it more (laughs) interesting. They do the, like, slap across the face, like, he's mine! He's mine! Right. Bitch! Bitch! Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then someone goes into a coma and finds that she's got a twin sister. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah no, no, no. Yeah. I, I agree. I don't I don't want the typical trope. I want something more interesting. I expect something deeper than that from this show. So yeah. well, I wonder that if that's tied show. up in the horses. 
Maybe, potentially. So this is where Avery was impressed with Casey because she thought that she was just a cowboy and, you know, finding out that he's like the livestock commissioner and things like that. So it's like, you know, when you meet someone that you knew prior and then you find out that they've grown, they've changed, they've matured. It's a nice challenge to the paradigm that you kind of had for them, too. But I do wonder what is the story with these horses? No clues. There are no clues, but there are things that we do kind of know. For instance, the buildup to the involvement of the militia in John's life took a while before Mm -hmm. it it came to roost. So are there any other little Reese's pieces on the the trail (laughs) from the forest that would give us any idea who this could be? Because there's so many dead enemies in their wake. Are there any live ones that they let go that could do this? Or is this just some new player in the field that that has no idea who they're screwing with? I mean, if you want like hypotheses, that there's still that motorcycle gang that's out there that John made him dig their own graves. I just don't know if they're dumb enough to come back. I just don't know what that would have to do with a different family on a reservation. Yeah. Like, right. That's weird. Why steal their horses? Yeah. Res horses. Like you said, there wasn't a lot of clues. It was just that they used dirt bikes to, mm, dirt to bikes. corral. Yeah, to corral the... But nobody heard anything. Dirt bikes are loud. I know. That's what I was wondering. Still, the bikers would want to screw around with John. The reservation, just a random family on the reservation... That doesn't seem as likely. Right. So is there anyone that you've seen that has a beef with rainwater? The only person who doesn't really have much love for rainwater is Angela Blue Thunder. She's really kind of the only loose cannon that we have out there that she was she was angry at him for not fighting harder. If you follow that through, though, if, for instance, she was unhappy with rainwater's leadership, right, and she wanted to, say, undermine people's His opinion authority. of right. him, right, then you could... Mm. Then you could do things like this where, say, he does turn to Casey for help because he's the best guy around, but he happens to be Caucasian. That could, in her opinion, probably make him look weak. Right. Like you can't handle stuff on your own reservation. Exactly. Exactly. So Blue Thunder's not a bad option, but she just kind of disappeared from last season that I saw. And they were just in that car and she was saying mean things. And then that was it. But, I mean, if you're going to bring Avery back after two seasons cold, I leave nothing to chance. Which would put everybody in a interesting position because John and Rainwater have each other's respect. They may not, you know, send each other Christmas cards, but it's a situation of the devil they know. Right. Where if you did have somebody trying to undermine Rainwater, would John then have an interest in protecting Rainwater? He does have an interest in protecting rainwater, sort I think. Sort of quid pro quo because rainwater looked after John's interest earlier this season. Right, with Chester. And th- there's been a lot going back to even Dan Jenkins, back to season two, that they had to team up and put aside their differences. And they even acknowledge, yeah, we have differences and we have history. But in order to not be mutually destroyed, we have to team up. So John, it is John in John's interest and the Dutton's interest to protect Rainwater and to make sure that he does stay as chairman. But keep in mind, Rainwater has an awful lot of land with that casino that he was able to annex Dan's land. So he owns the land right next to Yellowstone. So yeah, it is in John's interest to protect him because whoever takes over for Chairman Rainwater is now his next door neighbor as well. All right. So we got our eye on some new player looking to make a power grab in the reservation, but 
aside from an affinity for stolen horses and dirt bikes, we don't know much. Maybe it was Travis because he wanted more horses to sell for John. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> You heard it here, folks. First, if it comes true. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not Travis looking for additional no. horses. No, it's not. Watching Rip and Beth, and they didn't have a lot of interaction in this episode, but when they did, it was really different. I'm laughing at how Beth was like messing with him. He's like, just tell me what you're doing. And she's like, no, I want you to take me on a horse ri- on a ride. And he's like, but why? But this was really sweet interaction when she finally said what it was she was after. But I liked her sort of playing with him as well. Like, just why don't you do it? Then I'll tell you. Like, she's like, I just want you to think about me all day. <laughs> I see, as a man, I'm, I'm like with Rip. I'm like, just tell if, me. if you want something, tell me and I will do that thing. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm, I'm with Rip too. Like, can't you just go from a straight line? Just go to A to B, and do we have to take the circuitous route for me to find out what it is that you actually want? <laughs> so, I guess I'm part dude that way. I don't know. Yeah. But the idea, though, was that she wants to get, uh, she wants to kind of officiate, officialize, if that's a word, legitimize their, their marriage. And it sounds like she doesn't want to do it on the ranch, which is, of course, what Rip would say. You know, if you need to do something, let's do it here. Uh, And maybe they still may do it, but every place she looks, like she said, probably includes some memory that is charged for her. Oh, that's the pasture where mom died. Oh, that's where we bury all the other dead Duttons. You know, like that's... Right. (laughs) My dog died in that field. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. I didn't get the feeling that she wanted to leave the ranch for this ceremony, if you call it that, but wouldn't the ranch be big enough that they could find somewhere that was like their spot? You'd think. Like, You'd think. So that's what I was thinking. Like she wanted to go out with him and find their spot, which is really sweet and romantic. I do like how vulnerable she's allowing herself to be and that we can see that with her and Rip, their relationship opening up and just allowing herself to be human feminine i i don't know no no, i take that back to be human she's not being (laughs) feminine or masculine she has been devoid of so many emotions and so many feelings for so long that it's nice to be able to see her like reacclimate to these feelings that she's not allowed herself to have or feel for a very long time i mean basically since her mother died i feel like that was her thunderbolt of a moment where she stopped allowing herself to be a victim so now the fact that she's allowing herself to feel these things in a mutually beneficial relationship with no agenda it seems like i just i'm liking what they're doing for her character but they still give her the moments like with summer to uh Oh, yeah, no, I'm being very specific with her and Rip. Just her and Rip, yeah. (laughs) No, I... No, the rest of it is a shit show. (laughs) And the same applies for Rip, too, like seeing him being so communicative with her and and funny. And I like how he's just kind of straight with her, like, it's three in the morning. Do we have to do this now? Or, you know, he's saying, can't you just tell me what you want? Right. Seems like a quote-unquote normal relationship, a healthy relationship, which is probably new for all of them. It's impossible for a person to have that new in your life and keep it so compartmentalized, that idea of opening up emotionally where you had been just a brick wall before that. I'm thinking of Rip specifically in this, Mm -hmm. because later, you know, after he has to go finish off Lloyd, there's probably a good long stretch of his life where he could have done that and then just gone and had a sandwich after that. 
And instead, they spend a few moments with him hating himself for having done that. I wonder if those that's all connected, like if this is a, a whole softening of Rip. It's definitely rounding out his character, for sure, because we see a lot of that conflict in him as the season's gone on, in this episode in particular. So I think it's good to show that these characters are growing as well, because otherwise, if, if we still have Rip from season one, where he's just the brick wall, the unfeeling robotic machine you know, churning out dead bodies at the train station for John Dutton, then do we really have an evolution of a story? Not really. So I think it's important to have these moments so that this way we do see that these characters are evolving. They're responding to life. They're responding to the stressors in their environment and reacting to it. So I'm enjoying this journey for him. Just going back to Beth, I mean, we do see, you know, that she has these tender moments with Rip, but, you know, as I mentioned, we have the shit show as well. Uh, (laughs) And she didn't disappoint. She didn't disappoint in that whole, like, shit show with Summer. Sheila, I love this scene. (laughs) Well, this was one of the first, like, oh, shit moments for me, you know, in in watching this episode, first of many. Does Summer have Beth's personality nailed? I think she comes dangerously close, but she's not as smart as she thinks she is. And to an extent, I gotta wonder if Summer is a faker in some ways. Oh, what do you mean? I wonder if there was any symbolism to be gleaned from the knife fight, the would-be knife fight in the kitchen, right? Summer is there in a in John's big t-shirt, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Beth comes in and grabs a huge knife and <laughs> Summer grabs a carton of milk to protect yeah. herself. <laughs> Right, But in a few moments, we learn that she is some mega vegan that won't have milk and other things. So who was drinking the milk, Summer? Who was drinking the milk? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I don't think she was drinking milk. I think it just happened to be there. I think John was making his coffee and the milk was out. But she's willing to use it to protect herself. Uh, well, I suppose if there is a lady with a would-be fake boob job coming your way with a big-ass butcher knife, um, you just grab, grab anything. I think you. I think yeah. I would grab whatever because I think everything else was kind of nailed down. But it is interesting <laughs> that she would like if she's this mega vegan in it for the animal ethics of it. That maybe that wouldn't be the first thing she would grab. But you know, the only other thing I could see was really like a fruit bowl on the table. I, I think milk would probably do better than an orange. I think milk just has a bigger radius of coverage <laughs> to stop the stabbing. You're going to fight stabbing you, with Summer. milk? I've <laughs> <laughs> oh got my eye on her. But I was interested to know, like, why the first thing that Summer went to as a barb was your fake boob job. Like, why was that the yeah. thing that she went to first? Okay, for, let me back up. Because the okay. first thing she says, I didn't know he was married. If nothing yeah. happened, then you say, nothing happened. Yeah. It is something to be in the morning in the guy's T-shirt. I don't think they slept together. They never came out and said, we didn't sleep together. No, Although, they didn't. But I don't but think why? they slept together. But that weird kiss, right? Yeah. Well, it seems she was kissing him just to piss off Beth. That's what moment. I got out of it. Yeah. But why? Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. 100%. If I'm at a stranger's house and I didn't sleep in his bed, I would not be in the kitchen in his shirt the next day. Like, I would be in my own clothes, fully dressed, <laughs> with my shoes on. Like, I don't know if I didn't get to know this man, I wouldn't be standing there with the shirt on and nothing else. Like, I, it's to me pretty obvious that they slept together because 
if you just met someone and you didn't do that, you're not going to be standing in the kitchen without your clothes on. I don't think. Interesting. I'm kind of I wouldn't. Would you? I'm, I'm in a gray area. <laughs> <laughs> Would you? If, if my clothes were covered in pepper spray and okay. maybe well, they weren't back from the laundry. Was there nothing left in the house for Monica or Beth or come on now? Well, I mean, you know, for crying out loud, his his dead wife's bathrobe was hanging on the, the bathroom door. Yeah. Do you remember when the governor yes. went to use it? He's like, take, take that off, take that off. So yeah, there might there? be. So I'm, I'm in a gray area here because there's there's enough to show that something happened and enough to show that nothing happened because John seemed very taken aback by this kiss, not the fact that she bit him, but just the fact that it <laughs> happened. And just the look that Summer then throws back at Beth. I think she had her number nailed that this is just an immature, jealous kid who is having some major abandonment issues, I suppose. I think she hit her, I think she hit Beth's personality like on the head. Yeah, she is way too old to be weirdly jealous of John spending time with her. Like that and then was this whole, that's awkward like, and weird. Yeah, like the whole back and forth at the table. Like I hope you, you know, you should get tested for chlamydia, you hippie, and then find a therapist, <laughs> die of ass cancer. Like that whole back and forth. Like how old are we here, people? Because like they have to be about the same age, these two. And then John is just standing there like he's just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. He's like, I don't have the energy for this. I'm too old for this. I'm too old for the look you're giving me. (laughs) Yeah. Are there like moments off camera that they have meals with Beth? You know, they just sit, eat, talk about bullshit and then get up and, and, and that's it. No. No, they're all like this. I think yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, John I think either comments. they don't eat together or they're like, come over for dinner. And then this shit. And like happens. a fake meal for Beth. And yeah. then, then, then when she's gone, they bring out the real stuff. Uh huh. Well, yeah. I mean, John makes a comment some episodes ago. I think it was last season. Like, can, can you. I don't think that she's had a full meal since she was 14 years old. <laughs> yeah. Because there's always some sort of eruption. Maybe she's got food issues. Maybe she has an eating disorder. You know, I don't know. But let's be kind to Beth, you know. Now I want to know a little bit more about Gator. Because he doesn't know what gluten-free means. So how did he get the the, the chef at the Yellowstone? Well, I guess they don't have many dietary restrictions. Um, I don't did not like how they portrayed Gator here at all. I just didn't I didn't like that. How'd you get this job, Gator? Did it not yeah. work out as a cowboy? What What happened here? I don't know, but they post stuff like from the cast, like from behind the scenes with the cast of like, because he's the on-set chef as well for the production. Oh, he's like the craft services guy? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And ah. the food that he makes is just like the spreads are incredible. So Gator is a real life chef. But yeah, I just didn't like how they portrayed him here. Like he's he's a lot smarter than what they just made yeah. him out to be. I like that aspect of this show, how like the cowboys are generally real cowboys, how mm-hmm. like the horses that Travis brings are Taylor's horses. Right. You know, that looks like a big expensive show. And I'm sure it is. You know, it's not free to make this, but it's not just completely Hollywood in the aspect of just throw money at it and make it look correct. You know, it is correct <laughs> in, in a lot of aspects. Yeah, it feels authentic in a lot of right. ways. Yeah. Is this the last that we see of Summer, though? Like, they're driving back into town after the Uber is a failure. And they have this, like, nice little conversation about John's work, basically. I did get that they have a little bit of chemistry between them. Another Dutton air. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I saw this meme yesterday on Facebook, and it's terrible. It's like, I'm at that age where I can date you or your daddy. And it's yes. a picture of Casey and John. And John. <laughs> So true. So, yeah. Well, she did say, uh, 
<laughs> she was like, and the cowboy fantasy's over. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was, so, I laughed all out. That's so funny. I was like, and we're dead. Well, we can talk about it more later when we get to the bunkhouse, but the lack of involvement with John and Tate this season is freaking weird, considering like last season, they spent like summer camp together, you know? Right. right. And they haven't even been on camera together. I said that in one of our earlier podcasts that like if Tate is stuck under the bed for and he hasn't seen his family in three weeks, like why isn't John going and trying to talk to him? Like he cares about Tate so much and we have seen them together. And where was he when Tate was traumatized under the bed? Like, I just think that's weird. Yeah, he took a very hands off approach saying to Casey, like, what's going on with your family? And the John of season three involved with Tate and even season two to a certain extent would he definitely would be checking on him. Yeah, would be the one sitting at the foot of the bed going, come on, son, come out. I agree. So I, I'm not sure if it was if Casey said, you know, you need to stay away because Monica's not having it. I don't know if there was some other ultimatum that was given that we didn't see. But yeah, I mean, just the fact that like Tate was living in the house and when they left, you know, John didn't say anything to Tate in the car. Yeah. It's yeah. weird. And then you have the introduction of Carter, who says, I want to be him at the end of the episode. That's the name of the show this mm-hmm. week. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you have him possibly finding a way back onto Beth's good graces. In time, does that turn him into some sort of surrogate son for Beth? Maybe. Then what does that mean? You have one kid that actually wants to be John Dutton and another one whose mom does not want him to be John Dutton, but is actually genetically John Dutton. What happens then? Is that what we're building with these two kids? It feels like that to a very large extent for me. You have this one kid that's underprivileged and and just kind of found his way into the right place at the right time who now is admiring the characteristics that he sees in this man that Steph and I have been talking for almost 40 episodes. Like, is he a good man? We're not sure. (laughs) Well, if you ask um, uh, Jamie's uh, bio dad, there is no such thing as good and bad, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah. This was a really interesting scene for me and an interesting, like, you know, taking the plot in a different direction or at least deepening that storyline. I was shocked that there was nothing about Christina this episode. I was expecting that there would be some revelation as to where she's been, but we'd also had like this side-by-side building of Jamie learning that his dad was behind the attacks and then also the bombshell of Christina landing on his doorstep. But this whole conversation with Jamie's dad... Was the militia behind everything that happened? Because, like, I wasn't giving the militia a ton of credit for, like, the bomb attack on Beth. Like, that just seemed, I don't know, a little bit more sophisticated than their wheelhouse to that time had shown us. When I think of militias, I think of guys with hordes of guns and Mm -hmm. a willingness to use them when the time arises. But do I think of package bombers when I think of the militia? No, I think of lone nuts. I think of Ted Kaczynski. I think of that sort of ilk, not joiners, if if you get my meaning. So does that mean that there's another player? I mean, a lot of people think that could have been Rourke that was more directly behind the package bombing. Now, how that guy comes into that, you know, bomb making, I can't draw a a solid line there, but that seems... the timing of that would be really suspicious, too. How do you mean? Well, if Rourke 
specifically just built a bomb for Beth, and it happened to land on her desk the same day that the militia separately decided to attack John and Casey. Right, like, right. It's just kind of well, he had he had recently gotten the directive from Willa to yeah. to do something, and that was right. left very open ended. Right, like a dirty oil deal in Yemen or whatever they said. Right. Something to right. Know, but does that mean just put sugar in her tank or, <laughs> or, or blow up put her marbles office? in there so it's, <laughs> right. Right? it's annoying every time. That would be, though, pretty strange coincidence for that to happen. But I know what you're saying. Like, it seemed like Rourke and Market Equities could have had a role in that, too. I'm thinking the guys right. with the guns, militia, and that comes from Jamie's dad. The bomb, mm-hmm. I wish I could be more definitive. I think Rourke... But that's not a solid enough connection to me. I mean, Rips sure thinks it was it, mm-hmm. uh, Rourke, I think. And then that explains his cooler delivery. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm penciling that in. <laughs> Rourke okay. bombing and just a happy series of coincidences that, that uh, they delivered that on the same day as the shooting. Right. Because if you've neutralized Beth, sorry to go back to, you know, like this whole theory again and talking about it, but, you know, just as we get new information, that sort of things start to come into light. So when you go back to the interaction between Rourke and Beth, Beth was really the problem. She was the one that was standing in the way of them doing any kind of a deal. Then they see Jamie and they, they start working with him. And Jamie is the one who corrected the power of attorney question right saying that beth does not have power of attorney so if beth is out of the picture and she's not in john's ear then market equities is clear to set sail with jamie and their land deal and whatever they wanted to do so for market equities beth was really the only threat casey wasn't a threat jamie was playing ball and john could be kind of removed from the picture he's basically a neutralized threat if beth isn't there and jamie's able to act in the ranch's best interest I think it's coincidence. Like, I, I don't know if I'm like making a, a, a position here, but I don't necessarily think that the militia was behind Beth's hit. Yeah. It's just, you know, it, I guess Rourke would have been like Willa's attack dog in a way. Right. Uh, I think Willow was operating outside of Caroline's, you know, direct, like, she wasn't telling Caroline everything that she was doing. She was just expected to do her job and report results. That's where Rourke comes in. That's my head cannon right now for for how that went down. It's interesting because, like, again, it just feels a lot more sophisticated than what we've seen of this militia to this point. I don't know. I think for me it feels a little too coincidental that it all happened That's the the part that I'm stuck on. Yeah. Well, that's legit. Until we have someone say, I did the bombing, you know, or whatever. They they find the little shred from the office that has the return label, you know. (laughs) Well, when Jamie's confronting Garrett Randall about all this, and I mean, he mentions like that, you know, bitch of a sister or whatever he calls her, you know. So, I mean, he knows that is also an issue. You know, Sheila, we mentioned last podcast, I think I said that I didn't see Jamie being the one to actually pull a gun on his dad. So... Strike number two for me. Here I go. <laughs> Wrong no, on that one again. No applause soundtrack for that one. No, no, no applause for me. So. <laughs> no, listen, you, you need to give yourself Did credit. Did that surprise I do not, you? I do not think that Summer and John slept together, so you definitely need to give yourself credit for that. I didn't know how Jamie was going to confront his dad. I knew that, that it was coming because the shock of Christina arriving was going to wear off and he still has to deal with this Terrell Riggins scene. I did not really like this scene, actually. Uh, yeah, because I don't it know. Felt I, it felt like it didn't we're feel back. Genuine. It didn't feel genuine to, to Jamie's character. Oh, it didn't? I thought. No, I thought it did. I yeah, thought that we're back to the spineless, yeah. indecisive okay, yeah. Jamie. 
And okay, it's super so- scary because, I mean, you have this man who just entered his life and giving him all of this kind of stuff that you might expect from a longtime prisoner. No right, no wrong. Trying to change the definition of family in his mind and his heart. And this is the eter- eter- eternal, <laughs> the attorney general of the state of Montana. And you're trying to convince him that there's no right and no wrong. What? Well, you know, he was easily manipulated by Garrett Randall in this. Like, he, I was praising Jamie last episode for feeling stronger and more confident and, you know, having more of a backbone. And then here he is pulling a gun and then being talked out of shooting him (laughs) and hugging him at the end. I was like, Jamie, come on, like this guy. Like, so this is where, this is where I was saying that, like, I didn't feel like this was in character for him because Jamie does not like confrontation. He does not want confrontation. He has shied away from it at every step that he possibly could, even going back to the reporter back in season one and into season two. He doesn't want conflict. So for him to like pull a gun on Garrett Randall, like that didn't seem. I didn't think he was going to do that. Because the only other time we've ever seen Jamie with a gun was when he was going to try to kill himself. And he and I said how spineless he was back then that he didn't even have the guts to do it, uh, agreeing with Beth to an extent. I just didn't think that this was going to be the route that Jamie took. I didn't either. I thought he was going to turn him over to like John, maybe. Yeah, I didn't know if he was going to do that either. I, I was right. trying to figure out like where I, I thought of anyone that he would either call Casey or Rip to, to like Well, that's help what him I mean out. by turning him over to John. I meant turning him over to. I don't think know. he's going to talk to John directly. Um, no, I just meant it's forced on him. I mean, something along those lines is probably correct since he covered up so many aspects of of how the aftermath of the shootings Mm -hmm. went Mm -hmm. down. At this point, if you do anything from your office officially, all the rest of that might come out. Right. It's the cascade then of what he didn't want to have come out. But I was shocked at how quickly hook, line and sinker Jamie fell into this soothing uh, bomb of words that was coming from his father saying, you know, that he, he wasn't you know, treated I did this well. For you, I did I'm- it for you, right, to build up your legacy and the generations that will follow you. It's it's attractive. I mean, he's, um, <laughs> I, I, in, in a past podcast, Sheila, I heard you say that you relate everything to Star Wars. Well, this is, <laughs> is Anakin. <laughs> Falling for the emperor. Yes. Because yes. his whole life, he has been Jamie. He has been treated as a tool, you know, kind yep. of a arm's length. Means to an end for somebody. Exactly. And someone says, I'll hug you. I'll uh, I, I'll say that you're doing a good job. You are powerful in yourself. You get to have your own house. Uh, right. <laughs> you know? You get to have your own family. You didn't have a family. Now you have your own. You might get Darth Vader out of that, you know? Is Damn. Garrett Randall being um, genuine, though, in all of that he's saying to Jamie? And I'm trying to help you build this family, and I want that. Or is he Excellent using question. him as well? And uh, specifically in this situation, saying all those things to not get shot. Uh, or did he always know jamie wasn't going to pull the trigger and he's being genuine like this is why i did all this for you like i didn't necessarily believe him either like i don't know i'm still thinking about your question so i'm going to counter it with Mm -hmm. another question what does garrett randall get out of this what does he get out of killing john you know so if he's not doing it for jamie what does he get out of it i mean he said land baron and all that so maybe he has some 
long-standing ill will with John just to sort of have have not sort of situation but does he have just a lingering like you raised my my son and but I don't like that kind of aspect to it like you turned him into this sniveling guy that never felt love like if Jamie had turned out different would that would that have helped I don't know you know you see where I'm going with all that yeah mm-hmm like he doesn't like what John did for Jamie or to Jamie. Maybe. Or maybe mm-hmm. it just it's just sour grapes from having been in prison for so long and but I don't think that's it. I don't know. There I think there is a genuine aspect to it, but to say that that Garrett gets nothing out of propping up Jamie is that's no, that's not going to work. I mean, the the, the dude right. wants something. The emperor wanted something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He wants some. So I'm going to come back to there's something that we have. There's another card that we haven't been shown yet. And I'm going to come back and say that I have a feeling that whoever Jamie's mom is might be the key to the conversation that we're, we're having here. Because we don't know who Jamie's mom is. That wasn't revealed. And how Jamie came to be under the care of John and Evelyn Dutton. I had hypothesized that Jamie's mom, Mrs. Randall, was somehow connected to the Dutton family, either through John or through his wife. So John knew Phyllis because yes, there's this this quote. When when he married the woman who gave birth to you, we begged her not to do it because we knew. Yeah. So they knew of Garrett, and but they knew her personally. Yeah. But we don't know what that connection is. So I feel that there might be something wrapped up in that, especially since that quote is true. Then Garrett and John have some bad blood going back, because if we begged her not to do it, then, you know, that's a problem, because then she's going to also tell Garrett that, you know, they told me not to do that. And then his son ends up under John's roof. It's just I feel like whoever that person is like that might be like I just feel like we haven't been shown the next card that, Mm -hmm. you know, that the writers and the creators have that we haven't seen yet. And you're probably right. It's wrapped up in the mom. Yeah. And also Phyllis, Phyllis, Mary Randall, who does not have an, a nay or whatever her, her, (laughs) her maiden name was. I just thought it was really skillful and really artful of Garrett to like weave this little lazy river of Jamie to get him out of wanting to shoot him because, I mean, the three of us know that Jamie was never going to pull that trigger. Right. Even saying, but like, don't turn around, don't turn around. But saying the things that Jamie has needed to hear, and he's done that at every point so far that we've seen him and Jamie interact, that even when Jamie was buying the house, you know, I built you up to this. I've given you the strength. And he built on that conversation here and saying that Casey was never his brother. It was basically just a construct in his mind. You barely know him. You miss what you thought it was. It was very Mm -hmm. artfully done. It was very skillful. And it just shows how much of a manipulator he is. So this is why I'm just like, I keep coming back to like, what is he getting out of it? Because he has to get something. Is it the ranch? Is he after the Yellowstone? I don't know. Is he after the 500 million reasons? There has to be something in it for him. I wonder if if this is like a Jon Snow situation, if maybe Phyllis was Jon's sister-in-law or, you know, something something Mm -hmm. close but not super close where there might even be some blood. Who knows? But not direct, you know? Right. And... 
John being John just never laid it out because right. he thought raising him for the last 40 years was good enough <laughs> you know, for, right. for his loyalty. Because that, that personal connection, we tried to convince her, right? Um, yeah. I feel like she's probably Evelyn's sister or something. I'm not could sure. be. Something, something that speaks to – because the we of it. You know, yeah, right, it right. would only be his wife. That would be the other part of the we. Right. None of the kids would have been old enough to have been a confidant at that point. So it has mm-hmm. to be Evelyn. This is a very shaky theory as far as the familial uh, relation, yeah. but it would stick with the theme of family with the show and make it even that much harder for Jamie if he ever figured all this out. <laughs> right. right. You know, Paul, you had sent something early in the week that I just wanted to touch on here before we, we get off of the Jamie topic that it was like 35 things that we didn't, we missed in thir- in Yellowstone or something like that. Um, Which is and- the name of the video. It wasn't like a, 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 a thesis yeah. that I had sent right. to my podcasting <laughs> friends. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a YouTube video. And yeah. one of the things was that Taylor Sheridan, um, before they started filming season one, told Kelly Riley, the actress who pays, who plays Beth, he told her what Jamie did to Beth. With the st- yes, so oh, okay. he and said it will come out at some point, but I need you to know and oh, not right. tell anybody, not tell anybody else in the cast what I'm telling you as to why Ooh. Beth hates Jamie so much. So she was told from the get go, and knowing that it would come out if they got that length of a storyline to tell the story. But that's how she has played the character of Beth from day one, knowing what he's done to her. I just thought that was fascinating. And speaks to the kind of show that serialized TV show watchers want to watch. And they want to hear that the creator of something they love has a plan rather than just milk it till it runs dry. This is where it's going. And I've always known it's going to get there and you're going to love it because it's great and not just haphazard and slapped together. That he's not writing the show like episode by episode. Like he has a vision for seasons long. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get off the topic of Jamie and uh, his dad, so obviously Christina has been talking to Garrett about yeah. Jamie's uh, peccadillos, correct? About um, That's what you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, Garrett went to prison for killing Jamie's mother. So let's, you know, like, let's stoke the fire and see if, you know, well, I mean, that baby's older than three months. So I think Christine is in the clear. Mm. Mm, sorry, didn't mean to say that. <laughs> it's just, it's interesting to me that she would get that cozy with Garrett if there wasn't maybe something there prior. With, I, I'm just noodling this out. Like, I'm just trying to see if I say it out loud, like what you guys think about it. Like, how does she come about to come back into the show? Like, she found Jamie. He's obviously he bought a ranch. So like, you know... Do yellow pages still exist? I don't know. But she found him. So I'm just wondering what you guys think about, you know, their level of comfort and in sharing information. Finding him, that's a reasonable amount of, of legwork that a normal person could do, you know, because he's a public figure. To some extent, yeah. that information is, is available. Maybe not his address, but you could probably track it down through various means anybody has available to them. I'm remembering back to 
When we first met Garrett Randall and he was talking to Jamie and he said, I know you're a killer. Like he, he's like, you've killed before. Yeah, I can see it in your eyes. So like, I don't know if that was just a coincidence or did Garrett Randall and Christina have had some previous contact? So is this a longer term relationship that maybe she did tell him that previously? He was just a guy working in a barn. Well, my only thought is that if you're a, someone's campaign manager, mm-hmm. isn't it sort of your due diligence to you know oh, find dude. all the skeletons in the closet? So, not, not only to do opposition research, but to do your own research. So that's the only thought I had as to why she might know that is maybe she figured it out or I don't know. That um, is kind of far-fetched, but I mean, it's anything's possible, right? <laughs> I think that's a good theory. I do. That she would be that thorough in order to make sure that she found out all that she needed to know about him. But why would she really contact him or why would they have anything to talk about before? Maybe trying to make sure that he's not going to be a problem. Yeah. I don't know. Mm, uh, very, very tricky there. Sounds the, tenuous, you think? It does, yeah. but but it, nothing that I've seen so far cleanly explains why she would have told him. Maybe she didn't. Maybe he yeah. is just going off of what Steph just said, just that correct assumption that, that Jamie didn't say, no, what, me? No, I didn't kill anybody. Right. Yeah. Maybe he's just still working off that and he knows that he's got enough to work with there to hang it over his head without knowing what the deets are. Yeah. That makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But still, did those two sit and have cookies together? It sounds yeah. like it. Yeah. And talk murder. I mean, like I talk murder <laughs> with some of my friends, but it's usually like a murder podcast. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not not the best way to dispose of bodies that we've actually killed. Yeah. Yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just like a very interesting nugget of information because like, well, how deep did they get these two? While Jamie yeah. was at work meeting Beth, the head of market equities at. Uh... <laughs> I love how when he, he like didn't even get through the door and he was like, oh, fuck. I'm like, what is she doing here? Oh, my God. That entrance uh, was just hilarious. He reacts just, like there's someone with a gun in the room. No, really? Yes. Like a, a snake in a box. He was like, ah. Snake in a cooler, if you will. <laughs> yeah. He was like, That's oh, kind of how it. work reacted. He's a rattlesnake um, frozen in that box. Well, not for nothing. The last time Beth did walk into a room with Jamie, she did throw a baseball at his head. And so, a mousetrap. You know, and a mousetrap that connected. But um, yeah, no, it's just the fact he throws up his arms to protect his head. It was just because he didn't know what was coming his way. But little did he know that it was his conference room table that was actually the victim in this conversation. What does this uh, relationship mean? Does it mean that she is going to unravel whatever he has been putting together as far as the deals between the state and market equities? I, I guess, I mean, that's probably an easy yes <laughs> yeah i mean she said yeah. what's happening something bad i mean she's gonna beth it up like we said last time yeah we we, we changed her name into a verb <laughs> yeah i caught that i was trying to remember i know there's i've heard that on at least two shows oh really where they where they uh was it how i met your mother maybe they they oh yeah yeah so we, we oh, yeah, applied it you're to right here. about how much mother but yeah yeah yeah, they're going to, she's definitely going to Beth up his, <laughs> all of his work effort on this project. So she just showed up just to tell him that, just to ruin another day. But I mean, she has to tread very carefully here because I mean, if she's out to destroy the deal, Mark Wedekwis is just going to fire her. Yeah. So it's, I think it's a, it's like a scorched earth thing for her. She's got to do as much damage as she can before she's found out and kicked out. 
Right. It's got to be a lot of damage done, like almost all at the same time, yeah. kind of like the way that the Dutton hit went down. Right. Because otherwise they're just going to fire her again. <laughs> okay. so yeah i don't know it'll be interesting to see because like we had said last time we just not sure like if bob is going to go quietly into that good night or if uh you know there's going to be you know her kind of coming back to play with her food so i feel like this was a good setup for like whatever's you know because we're heading into the the final episodes of the season already that they have mm-hmm. to start laying the groundwork for these storylines so i feel like this is this is where that's going to start we're going to start to see that all heat up because again like i said like last episode episode seven was when um beth got that beating of her life so that's the equivalent of the next episode for us here in this season I don't know. I mean, we witnessed some pretty good beatings. Yeah, we're episode. about to get to the beating portion yeah, I don't of the know episode. That they could really beat anybody down anymore. <laughs> at least not at the ranch. Good grief. Oh, well, yeah. Well, that whole beating, that's all. Oh. Did you catch that they had been fighting for an hour? No, yes. they fought for longer than an hour. He said Walker has been done for an done hour. Done for oh, an hour. Oh, correct. You're right. Yes. You're right. I was like, dang. <laughs> why can't Lloyd just let it go? Like, why? What is his situation like why can't he just care about the ranch and move on i don't think it's laramie like it can't be about laramie she's not it's the rest of the bunkhouse too is that walker just comes in and plays his guitar and and all of a sudden everybody likes him but lloyd's been there teaching him cowboy shit their entire lives (laughs) and and suddenly he's on the outs they won't even look at him for what? Just for punching? Well, it, I, you know, it's like it's like their cowboy code of ethics on that ranch. I guess is mm-hmm. is like the the boss dog sets the tone, and everybody else has to follow in line. And they're doing that. You'd feel pretty conflicted if you were Lloyd too. I imagine if if the same shit he was doing with Carter, I imagine he'd been doing with a lot of them at some yeah. point in their lives. He mentions like with yeah. Ryan, like I've been, you know, I've known you since you were 18 years old. Like you can now rewind the clock and see like a little pudgy Ryan in Carter's position, right? Yeah. Did you catch the fun fact that Ryan had played young Wyatt Earp in Kevin Costner's Wyatt Earp movie? Oh, didn't yeah. I text you that a couple of weeks ago, Steph? I, I saw it. Oh God, what, It was on one did. of the Facebook groups. It was on one of the Facebook groups and it said that they had been watching Wyatt Earp. It was on... HBO Max or something like that, and that you know the young Wyatt or was was a young Ian. Bo- how do you say his name? Bohm. Ian Bowen. Ian Bowen. 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 Okay. Yeah. Bowen. Sorry. But yeah, but still, the how you would feel uh, in that position as Lloyd would be pretty frustrating. That everybody seems to be siding with the guy that stole your. Buckle Bunny or whatever. <laughs> it's it's it. hard to say with a straight face, Paul. Like, it is. Really it is. In, in Letterkenny, they have uh, Puck Bunny. <laughs> That's hockey a little harder to say, thing, yeah. you know, correctly. Yeah. Um, it just seems to be going on a little long with Lloyd not being able to let this go and just having this feeling of just being so hurt by it for so long. It's just like, I'm wondering if there isn't something else kind of going on like maybe i mean he's he isn't of an advanced age for a cowboy we heard walker mm-hmm. say do i go do i look like i'm going to live to be 70 saying that you know, cowboys don't have a, a life expectancy that kind of meets maybe a societal norm i'm wondering if there isn't maybe something a little going wrong upstairs with lloyd that's interesting Hmm. I don't have a lot to base it on, but it's just like, why else would he not be able to let this go? I mean, like, I doubt that she was that good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. That he can't let it go for this long. 
But I don't know. I just don't have a lot to base it on. But it's just like, why else would he not be able to let this go? And I like what you said, Paul, about, you know, the the fact that the bunkhouse is just kind of like rallied behind Walker. But that's how they kind of are. It's not like he was doing anything so bad. And he kind of walked in and Laramie came up to him. He didn't know the history. Not that he's completely innocent either, but... These are carpe diem guys, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is not like Walker alluded to. This isn't like a, a forward-looking group. They don't need to, really. So, yeah, if it's, if it's a good time today, then we're doing that. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, we can... We can Everybody saw the fight, and but did we notice that Lloyd helped Walker up after the whole thing? Yes, I I liked that. Actually. Even with his broken hand. Well, I feel like uh, we're skipping over the part where he stabbed Walker. Oh, you're right. Like yeah. you were talking about the fight in the corral, but I want to go back to the fight in the bunkhouse that started it all. He freaking stabbed him in the collarbone. You might have been aiming for the heart. And then I was like, I was hoping his suspenders might have given him some, pro- no, no protection just, there. Yeah. I think that's where I went from like Lloyd's pissed still. You could punch him again, but no, I'm just going to stab you like this. I mean, that, that was like a, a prison yard kind of thing. Like like flip yeah. the knife and then moved yeah. so fast you could hardly tell what happened. Like, yeah. I had to go back and rewind because I'm like, what just happened? Like, how, where'd that yeah. knife come from? I didn't see Lloyd's little subterfuge hand motions, you know, bringing the knife down. I heard it, but I didn't I didn't get the sequence. So I had to go back and watch it again because I was just like, that was slick. Yeah. But yeah, I think you're right, Paul. I think he was aiming for the heart for sure. Oh, like, of course. Not I mean, gonna... this scene, though, it's just so crazy. I mean, so then they, like, rush and tackle Lloyd, and they're handcuffing him. <laughs> and then they're like, I'm going to call the vet for Walker. And he's like, the vet? And then Mia is just like, <laughs> peace out. Like, I love that she just walked out. She's like, well, I'm done with this bullshit. Yeah. Like, she does not care that someone just got stabbed. She's like, mm, okay. Y'all have fun. She's not wrong. But uh. it, no, she's not wrong. But it's like, I don't think, I mean, there was no reaction Monday. in her face. Like, oh, my God. But it's just another Monday. Yeah. But it's just another just Monday. Like, okay, bye. Okay, bye. Peace out, homie. Meanwhile, Laramie uh, has the cojones oh, to my pull God. the knife out when they Ew. need it. Because no Why one else will. Why did she do that? Because he was like, get this out of me. And oh. the vet was going back to check the x-ray like, oh, to make stuck sure. stuck on the bone. I want to redo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this was not the same vet that came and tended to John when he had the ruptured ulcer. No. Like, she was no nonsense. She she knew her shit back then. Yeah. But this guy was, you know, like, let's check the x-ray, blah, blah, blah. I like how they had, like, the x-ray machine on wheels that they could bring in, like, into, into the, the bunkhouse. Bunk yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, they have portable everything. We have a portable CT. You can have lots of portable things. They probably own their own shit there at the Yellowstone, actually. I mean, it's too much trouble not to bring it weekly. <laughs> You know, for yeah, they have so many cows and horses that I'm sure that somebody needs an X-ray like every week yeah. or so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just go and get it from Barn Two, right? <laughs> stall Barn Two, Stall Four. That's where we keep the portable uh, X-ray equipment. Right, that's the older one, right. but that'll work, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's good enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, Sheila, you speaking, you said earlier in this episode that there was a lot of oh shit moments. And well, this was me, obviously the biggest oh okay, shit moment. That, yeah. when he stabbed him, but then when they deliver Lloyd on Rip's doorstep, I'm like, oh shit. Then next thing, John pulls up, I'm like, oh shit. Like now, John, now <laughs> they delivered you to John? Like, this is bad. This so, is I'm going to, I'm going to back up here for one second. When John came on the scene and just with the headlights, 
from the truck, you know, so they were standing in front of the truck with the headlights on and the, the headlights were on Lloyd. My first fleeting, oh shit moment of that was like, are they at the train station? Because that's where John oh, had Chester. I didn't think that, yeah. So back to, you know, so back to Chester. Because remember you and I were talking last episode, like, we don't know what the bro code is here about yeah. Brandon Mann hitting Brandon Mann and like, you know, what's going to happen with Lloyd now. But for a fleeting second, I was like, because it was the same setup that John had with Chester. Lloyd was in the high ground looking into the headlights and they were all standing in the path of the headlights as well. So they would be able to see him. So I was like, oh, no. But thankfully, it wasn't that. Well, I think this is very clearly the last stop before the train station for either one of them if they sneeze wrong. That was the sense of foreshadowing that I think that I was meant to get from that or that we were meant to get from that because I feel like one of them is going to end up at the train station very soon. I don't think this is over. There's no stake in Walker. I mean, John could give a shit. It's, right. It's, Even said it. Yeah. Like if Walker's the problem, why is he still here? And the under like the moment at the end where it's like, it was like just they didn't say enough, but it was something to the effect of do we understand each other or something like, mm-hmm. yeah, that either one of you, it might even be if, if especially if there's any fighting, but either one of you fucks up. It's it's curtains. Right. It's your asses like toppling over the cliff of the train station. Did you think that Lloyd was going to hold his own against Walker like that in this corral fight? I was surprised to see how Walker's a younger man and just yeah. spent the the last few years I mean, he in prison. Did just get stabbed. Well, that's where I was. It was that only he's... a flesh wound. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Bleed on me? Um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> my mind goes immediately goes to Monty Python all the time. Oh, um, if it's not Star Wars, it's Monty Python. I'm a twisted individual. But I was surprised that like like it was the next morning. I'm like, dude, Walker's got like. 20 stitches down his chest right now. Are you kidding me right now? And it was his left arm, but still, like when you're in a fight, like it's it's it all matter. hands on yeah. it's all hands on deck. It wasn't quite fair. But man, Lloyd, I, so that's what I thought going into him. Like, oh man, that's not fair. But yeah, geez. Yeah, but I mean, they Must obviously punched still... him in that spot a few, few too many well, times. You can see it was very bloody afterwards. <laughs> was, that, yeah. Lloyd actually went in there and gouged it at one point, And it was like, oh. That's the grossest sound because it's squelched. Yeah. Well, because I listen with, you know, because we get this on the little screener. So I got to watch it on my iPad. I can't watch it on the big TV. So I put headphones in because my family listening to this, you know. Yeah, right. F bombs flying every second. I got an eight year old. It's bad enough. No, because like, can we watch Yellowstone with you? Like, like, uh, no. no. (laughs) But yeah, so because I had my noise canceling AirPods in my ear, I heard like I heard everything. See, I didn't. I couldn't deal with the sound. Sound. I couldn't deal with the sound (laughs) when uh, Rip smashed Lloyd's hand. Oh my god. Yeah. I don't like to hear breaking bones and. So you and I have said earlier, too, that like, you know, John doesn't like to get his hands dirty. And we've seen that so far throughout most of this series. But, you know, he was bringing the gun to the rainwater meeting. And then tonight he was about to get in the ring, so to speak, and fight down Lloyd. Was that an actual thing that was going to happen? Or was he banking on Rip stepping in and be like, no, sir, they're going to hate you. I'll do it. It's my job. I thought he was going to do it just to prove a point like he is... The you know, these are the rules and no matter who you are. I do think that he did intend, I mean, he, he would have done it. He would have, yeah. he, he would have done it. And that might even be out of his affection for Rip, but it was out of respect for Rip that he let Rip do his job. Yeah. Like affection and respect 
travel on different wavelengths, right? <laughs> At least maybe with men yeah. they do. I'm going to say this because I thought that with John getting into the pen to engage in this, I wasn't sure if it was a fair fight. I don't think he would have won because he so damaged himself. I think it just would have been more the the optics of it that Lloyd would have thrown the fight, so to speak. But if it was a fair fight, I'm not sure that John would have come out on top, even with Lloyd having, you know, been the best of Walker for over an hour at that point. Because <laughs> we saw last episode, he has like, you know, he's got his five war wounds from a couple months ago. He was in a coma not all that long ago. You know, you see, you see the big scar across his belly from when the vet had to open him up in the middle of the barn. So I'm not sure that it would have been the outcome that John would have anticipated had it been a fair fight. Well, either way, we still have this conflicted rip now. He does his job, but he seems to hate himself for it. This was hard to watch. I mean, like the whole fight scene was hard to watch, but the aftermath that Rip goes through was even harder to watch. Yeah. Well, at least we see it, though. I mean, he's been so much just uh, an attack dog in seasons past. It's good that we see Rip have several different ways that he's growing as a character, um, not just with Beth, but in his work with the ranch and his relationship with John. Does that mean that at some someday we'll, we might see him say, sir, I can't do that or, or something that would be unimaginable at this point? That's a that's a good point. I don't know if Rip is going to do that. Like I I yeah. see where he's getting to the point where he wants to say that, especially with what happened here tonight and I feel like the next thing that he has to do that's morally questionable, he might think about it, but I don't know if he not to John. I think he might be able to say no to anyone else, but I don't know about John. Yeah, not yet. No. I mean, no. Right. He's going to need a few more life lessons from this love affair with Beth and, and this, this growing mutual affection that they have for each other to expand his horizons a little bit before that could happen. But yeah, there was definitely like a, like a title shift in him afterwards that this is the first time that we've seen him sort of have any remorse for anything that he's had to have done. As, as mothers, did you guys have any qualms about forcing Carter to watch? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> 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 I mean, like the only painless way to learn this lesson is to watch it. I mean, if, if this had been a boxing match, somebody should have called that fight about eight rounds ago. Because uh, the dude was on the ground for an hour. And bleeding and just getting punched and kicked, you know, from from that. But um, yeah, that was it was hard to watch. But at the same time, this is a ranch, right? These are people who live a life very different than mainstream society. And they have different lesson books. They have maybe not multiplication and division. But their lesson book is how to take a beating and how to learn respect. I don't know that it bothered me that much because Carter is, you know, a little bit older. Like he's what thirteen or preteen or however old he is. And I think that that's better for us to see carter seeing this than for carter to be punished and some other like for them to punch him or something like that would be more unacceptable to me as far as like learning lessons go or teaching him the ways of the ranch i think i would have rather him learn the lesson this way than another way it's a it's a crazy paradox right you've got to know your way around a fight but don't ever do it here yeah we're gonna expect you to do it but you're not gonna engage in that here yeah plus you can never leave (laughs) Right. Some of you can never leave. (laughs) So I don't know. I think it probably was good for him to understand a little bit more of what he's got himself into as well. 
because he seems a little mouthy. When Caroline and I were watching this, she does not like Rip's tough love. She hates seeing that aspect of him where she, where, you know, he said, boy, come over here and, you know, see this. And she hates that aspect of him. But he, he only knows one way to do this, you know, and yeah. and yeah. and as far as he knows, no one has set up a better future for Carter than being here on the ranch. And this is how you do it here. There's no better teacher than Rip at this point. And this is the only way he knows how to teach, unfortunately, for Caroline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Carter's not, you know, I think he's got enough snap. Like when he turned around on Lloyd and was like, you need to take your own advice and say sorry different also. It's impressive. Like you guys were saying, I think it was the episode we were on with uh, you guys on the third episode. Are they writing him more intelligent than he has any claim to be? Well, maybe he is that smart. Yeah. Maybe not book smart, but he's got that kind of snap, that street smart, street smart, street smart snap that will keep him alive. I think so. How do you think he's going to have to say sorry different to her? I don't know. I was wondering. I thought it was kind of funny that they kept mentioning, they keep mentioning that he messed up with Beth and that, oh, he pissed off your daughter and all that. And I'm thinking, well, we haven't seen them interact since then. So is it really all that bad? Or is she over it? And She kicked him out of the house. Agreed. But (laughs) but that didn't seem that, like there are other places for him to sleep. It's not like she, so I don't know. But I don't see how pissed off she is, so I guess it's going to be interesting to see how he chooses to apologize. Well, maybe that's that's enough, you know, just kicking yeah. him out of the house and then and then having Rip be in charge of him now is enough for Rip to know. I yeah. hate this. You did a, <laughs> you did a bad job because um, if you didn't, then I wouldn't be completely responsible for you, which is the last thing that I wanted out of this whole deal. Right. So uh, yeah, maybe maybe that's that's how we're supposed to see it. I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, Paul, it's really interesting the question that you said about like how are they writing Carter and is he more intelligent than you know we're maybe giving him credit for? Maybe he is. If he saw what he had to see, like Rip said, you know, he needs to watch this lesson, and what he took from it was that the biggest dog here is the one who didn't lift a finger. Hmm. Hmm. You know, so maybe he is a lot smarter than we give him credit for, and maybe his survival instincts are on par with a John Dutton or a Beth Dutton. And he hasn't been given enough credit to that point. So lack of opportunity. Exactly. Uh, not not enough time. Yeah. So yeah. maybe he will figure out based on what he's observed of John to this point and what he knows about Beth to this point to be able to and I said this from the get go. I was very cynical when he joined the cast. I was like, you know, he's I think he's conniving. I think he's he's out to get more out of these people than he's giving so to speak Mm -hmm. that i feel like he's going to be this like master manipulator like beth and he's going to figure out a way to like assuage her and get on her good side and it's just going to be like we'll see it for what it is and everyone else be like oh hook line and sinker (laughs) i'm very cynical not beth i was gonna say maybe not beth but yeah Yeah. he's gonna have to work for it she's gonna yeah but i think that she's gonna like see it for what it is and maybe realize that you know she's got more in common with him than she initially thought be interesting, especially given the dynamic that you said earlier about Tate 
and John sort of yeah. being this very large looming absence at this point. And John and Carter have had these interactions and John seems to be taking somewhat of an interest in him. So, and now if Carter is looking at him as a mentor, that might be a very interesting storyline to follow. Well, it's like any kind of work relationship though. This is like your boss's boss's boss. So your airtime with that individual is usually pretty limited unless you do something to remove a layer or two, right? Right. And until he figures it out with Beth, then chances of coming to like Christmas Eve dinner are pretty low. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Uh, So what is that thing? What did he do with Beth that set her off? It was that he didn't stick to the deal and he tried to get more out of her than she was willing to give. So what would correct that? Because just doing his chores around the place, that's that's not going to do it. Well, that's like earning his keep, right? Basically, yeah. Yeah. He he gets to sleep in the barn if he does that. But getting back with Beth, it's going to have to be something for Mm. Beth. It's going to have to be something like life or death at this point, like protecting her or something, because like that's what these Duttons do. They get themselves into situations where they need protection (laughs) or they need, you know, got to call Rip, you know. He's got, he's got to ingratiate himself to that point that he becomes invaluable to her. That's an interesting That's an point. Interesting yeah. What could it be? Something like that, though. It's not just going to be a Christmas card or, or yeah. Or, Some daisies in, from the field. <laughs> exactly. Getting her, getting her horse saddle ready on that rare occasion she takes it out. Offering her a skin graft? I don't know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think she likes uh, those scars, though. I think she wears think them so. with yeah. pride. She, well, yeah, she could fix she, her face, right? But no, I think she likes it with that. No, I think she likes it. I think she's enjoying the uh, the badass tattoo that she's got. <laughs> Where do you guys think we go from here? I don't know, but the bunkhouse is now all the women are ejected. Hey, so does this mean Teeter's gone? <laughs> yeah, she was fired. <laughs> she was given severance. I was just thinking, yeah. like, she was such a part of our season for a while. And then this season, she hasn't been. And we were just saying that, like, we could live without her. And now it's happening, Sheila. So, yeah, she might be gone. The fans do not like her. Well, she's Colby's girlfriend, kind of. Right. Well, well, now they are because Walker wrote a song about them. But I don't know. <laughs> she's branded. So can she leave? Apparently. That is can. a great point. Because she, she was given the, the envelope with, I assume, a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> well, yeah. I feel like it was their last paycheck. Right. Yeah, it's their last paycheck. John didn't pa- care. Paycheck. He said, get her out of here. What? The, the bylaws <laughs> of the WRS that we the know. Like, what, what, we need the bro code here, you know? Like, yeah. what's happening? Wade Morrow left with a brand. Yeah, and he we came don't know back, how or why. Know, however many years later. So apparently in season eight, we're going to have to cut it off of her or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, but she's leaving. That's what I but think. But she also knows a lot of the skeletons in their closet. So does she become like this loose rogue cannon? No. Why would she? They Nobody would understand her. Well, first of all, they wouldn't understand what she was saying. <laughs> and second <laughs> of all, she knows that then they would just come after her and throw her off the cliff at the train station. So, I mean. Wouldn't you just make like a, a ladies dorm? Or <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> a ladies dorm. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's very interesting. But I the, the brand stuck with me. I was like, how are they going to get rid of her if she's got the brand? That's supposed to tie you in for life. Your family. You don't Unless leave. you get you fired. Here. Unless you are not a man. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. 
Not not great. Not not. I wonder what the hell. Why would they bring her in just to get rid of her after she did that much? Yeah. I don't think she's gone, gone, but she may be in and out for a while. Yeah. I, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I don't think she's gone, gone. She earned her keep while she was there. She was yeah. as yeah. doing as much cowboy shit as the rest of them. She got stomped on by a horse, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Tried to get right? drowned. So what's going to happen next with Jamie and Garrett Randall? That is probably the most compelling part of this episode for me moving forward is that that test of loyalty. <laughs> yeah. Where does this leave Jamie? Like, is he going to not do anything about the fact that Garrett Randall tried to kill his family or... That's the big question. Will he rat on his dad to his dad? Um, This is a twisted web. He really can't outright because then it's going to come out that that's his father biologically. Does John not know that he knows his father? I mean, he knows that he's adopted, obviously, yeah. and he knows who his dad is. But does he know that his dad is out of prison and that he's been commiserating? Contact? Oh. Um, I don't know. I didn't I don't think, think of so. that. I don't think so. Wow. I don't think so either. I think John finds out. I think okay. somehow Jamie, through whatever course, I think John finds out that Garrett and Jamie have been in contact. Uh, I think that's the ultimatum next, gets put to him. I think it that's the next logical. Cross my mind that John didn't. Uh, but yeah, of course. Yes. It builds. Because Jamie, because now, like the only thing that Jamie said to Rip was like, you know, you know, I, we were saying this stuff that you know, it, it was the sticking point. Like, if Jamie was involved or not, like he said to Rip, "Don't call me anymore. I don't think you should call me anymore." If that's the case, then they don't know that Jamie was in touch with his father, so it just looked suspicious to us. But now it's more like along the lines of, "I'm going to distance myself from you because now I have this man." So I think the next logical thing is that John finds out that Garrett is involved in Jamie's life and will eventually find out that he was part of the hit. That's the only logical way that this, this goes. Dun, dun, dun. Well, we'll have to tune in next week and see how they ratchet it up a little bit more. <laughs> ratchet. <Ranch> <laughs> well, I mean, it's episode seven next week. I mean, I'm yeah, not ready for not this ready. guy. <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us, Paul. This was definitely a very fun conversation. I like having the, the added perspective and the, uh, questions that you asked were very poignant. So um, I'm excited. So is this going to be a regular thing? Are you going to be with us or is it going to be? I think we'll rotate in and out as um, we have availability. I'm not sure who's next, either Caroline or Mike. I'm also busy with my Battle Beyond the Movies podcast. I was going to ask, what are you working on these days? Battle Beyond the Movies podcast. It's a podcast where people come on with me after watching a pair of movies with similar themes and we discuss them to see which of the two movies attacked and completed that theme the best. For instance, Sheila and I did the Amityville Horror and the Amityville Horror remake to see which one was just the better Haunted House movie. You'll have to listen to find out what our what our findings were, though. Well, Paul, are you going to invite a certain other Yellowstone cast member? Definitely, Steph. Sure, (laughs) Steph. I will. I'll send you the information. I would love to. Great. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. Uh, I I live not far from the actual Amityville house. I've seen it. I've ridden past it. Um, (laughs) No weird freaky lights. But uh, doing this podcast with Paul was a lot of fun. It was fun to watch the movies actually with him in person and then get to talk about it and, and, you know, dissect these movies. So I I like the platform. It's fun. So when you start seeing those Battle Beyond the Movie uh, podcasts come out, definitely listen in, subscribe. They're a lot of fun. Thank you. You're welcome. 
This is Steph. This is Sheila. Thanks again so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye, <laughs> Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.